Hey, welcome to a new episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP number 117. I'm your host, Dorian, and on today's podcast, we ask, what's going on with the California teams? And special guest, Eric Doty, founder and CEO of Loop, talks about partnering with the Miami Marlins and sports cards. I know you're not asking what I'm drinking because you know I'm going to tell you what I'm drinking, and it is a classic rum and coke. Coca-Cola, and some fancy rum from Hawaii called Kohana Rum from Kunai, Hawaii. Did I pronounce any of those words correctly? Probably not. But again, Kohana Rum from Kunai, Hawaii. I have it here in my hand. And it is a smooth rum. And it definitely has that manly rum smell. I'm going to have a drink. You know... I almost feel like I want to just dip my finger in this in this cup that I ha- I'm holding. Put it behind my ears like some fancy cologne. But instead of going out to a nice dinner, going out on a date, I'm going to put this rum on my neck and then go fight an alligator in the Everglades because it's so good. It's so nature natural. Yes. By the way, I don't know what I'm talking about anymore because I've been drinking before I started recording. But... If you remember, all the way back in episode 72, we had a firefighter from South Florida named Brian. He told us about his Hawaii story when he illegally, or no, I shouldn't say that, he, uh, against policy, (laughs) went up uh, some famous thing called Stairway to Heaven. He was stranded up there. He had to have first responders, his go and save him, basically, in a a helicopter. (laughs) I don't know if this rum is from that island where Stairway to Heaven is and our former guest, Brian, the, the firefighter, was. <laughs> you can go check that episode out. I, I, I enjoyed talking with Brian and his crazy story of being stuck on a mountain and then being saved by fellow firefighters. I told you I mixed this rum with Coca-Cola. Let me ask you a question. Are you one of these psycho people who are like, I only drink Coca-Cola? Because there's always this whole thing of Coca-Cola versus Pepsi. And I'm thinking, I personally, I don't care. I don't really drink a lot of carbonated drinks. I only ever buy Coke or Pepsi, again, to mix with with liquor, basically. Where's this brand loyalty coming from? Do you own stock in Coca-Cola or Pepsi-Cola? I don't care. Who cares? Coke is Coke. It doesn't matter to me. But if you do have loyalty, cheers to you, my friend. I frankly don't care. If you're going to offer me some fancy rum from Hawaii, some fancy rum from Guatemala, some fancy rum from Nicaragua. If it's aged, I'm drinking it straight up, baby. If it's a mixing one, you can give me Coke or Pepsi. I don't care. And as we leave the stairway to heaven to go back to the continental U.S. from Hawaii to California. Seriously, this past week has been so weird that the Oakland Athletics, the worst team in Major League Baseball, took two of three games from the Atlanta Braves, one of the best teams in baseball. Before that series at the beginning of this week, the Athletics went into the series with the Atlanta Braves having lost 11 consecutive games. Then they just finger snap, turned it on, and take two of three from one of the best teams in Major League Baseball. This Oakland Athletics team, 
you know better than I do. They're on pace to, to, I think, win 40 games this year, which is horrific. If you watch college baseball, which I do recommend because I watched a bunch of the ACC and SEC tournament last weekend for college baseball, honestly, hand on my heart, I think that the LSU Tigers or the Wake Forest Deacons could take one game from this athletics team over four or at least give them one heck of a run every single over a four game series because this athletic team blows the LSU Tigers probably have will have the top two picks in the draft next month Wake Forest is the number one team in the country they're both probably going to go to Omaha to the College World Series in summation the athletics are bad and how in the world did they beat Atlanta Braves seven to two two to one Finally, the Braves saved themselves by winning 4-2 the last game, which was on Wednesday. The Athletics held the Braves, one of the best offenses in baseball, to seven runs over three games. I have zero, I genuinely have zero explanation on how the heck that happened. Zero. And then you go from Oakland, you go down to, you you don't even go to California, you go to Arizona, which is obviously bordering California. The Arizona Diamondbacks, I love them. Tied for first place in the National League West. 35-23, tied with the Los Angeles Dodgers for first place. I love the Diamondbacks. They have so many exciting young players. I've said this multiple times. I love the Diamondbacks outfield. Those young kids, because they're, well, the young men. So athletic, so exciting. They save that Diamondbacks pitching staff. So many extra hits and runs. They are so fast. And I'm going to stop using the word so, so often. I'm all for the Arizona Diamondbacks, but here they are, tied for first place in June. I didn't expect this. I fully expect the Diamondbacks to be in a playoff push by the end of the year, but I certainly didn't expect them to be in first place in June. Cheers to them, and I'm going to have a drink. And finally, the last couple of games I wanted to just touch on were the San Francisco Giants. Just so disappointing from... What, what are they, two years removed from winning the National League West to being a 500 team? Right now, they're in third. They're, yeah, they're in third place. 28 wins, 29 losses. A middling run differential of plus two. I don't find anything exciting about the Giants. I'm really disappointed with the San Diego Padres. They're not middling like the Giants. I mean, they are exceedingly disappointing. 26 wins. 31 losses, a run differential of plus seven. I've always wanted to like the, the Padres. And then I'm going to tell you something. The San Diego Padres were one of the reasons that we started this podcast with DiCarlo back in, what, the fall of 2020. The, the summer of 2020 we're talking about, but we actually did this in the fall. We started this in the fall of 2020 because I was so excited about those teams back then that were young and up and coming. The San Diego Padres, the Chicago White Sox, all those Cool teams from 2021. The White Sox, they're terrible. I, I rarely talk about them. I still have a special place for them, but they're that's gone. I mean, that's done. The Padres, they're third. They're, they got on the map by signing Manny Machado on that, what is it, that 10 or 13-year deal, whatever the contract is, his duration is. He broke his, what, his left hand back on the 15th of May. But even before the 15th of May, which was now, what, three weeks ago? He was hitting 231. His batting average was 231. Then you had their this past year's big signing, shortstop Bogarts, wrist injury, 
He's been hampered. And I was shocked, just like you, when the Padres went out and signed Gary Sanchez, their catcher. Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez, I think this is his fifth or fourth team this year. He was with the Twins. He was with the New York Mets. They all let him go. And now he's with the San Diego Padres. So maybe maybe it's three teams he's been with this year. But it doesn't matter. That's three teams too many. And homeboy goes out in his first four games with the Padres. And he hits two home runs. That's awesome. There's reason that the Minnesota Twins and the New York Mets let Gary Sanchez go. And I'm sure that sooner and sooner than later, the San Diego Padres are going to be like, you know what? Firm, manly handshake. Thank you for your services, Gary Sanchez. You got to go, my friend. And that's not even, I'm not even going to talk about Juan Soto. Juan Soto, the best hitter on the planet when he was with the Washington Nationals. Since he's been with the Padres, he's been below average. Juan Soto has a 246 batting average with the San Diego Padres, a 404 a 404 on base percentage. But you expect more from Mr. Soto. I mean, at this point, if I was Scott Boris, I'd be really concerned that when Juan Soto becomes a free agent at the end of this season, I don't think that teams are going to be paying Juan, offering Juan Soto a $450 million, $500 million contract. That type of number might go to someone else playing California, Shohei Otani with the Los Angeles Angels. But Juan Soto, he's now been with the Padres for, I believe, an almost, almost an entire calendar year. And he's sucked for his expectation. Don't get me wrong. I'd still love to have Juan Soto on my team. But are you really, you really want to pay this guy $45 million a year to give you a 246 batting average? Come on. <laughs> Hell no. San Diego Padres, my friend. One of my inspirations for this podcast and a massive disappointment in my heart, in all of our hearts as baseball fans. But this rum is definitely not a disappointment. It's delicious. If you want to know what it tastes like, you can always go buy a bottle of these. What is this? Uh, like a Kohana rum. But if you want to know what it looks like, you're more than welcome to, to follow us on Instagram, Hipster Baseball Podcast, and our, on our Twitter account. HBP 4040. One of the great reasons we're able to have all these delicious drinks is from our show sponsors because this week's episode is brought to you by Western Appliance. We have no choice. We must sell 2,000 appliances, microwave ovens, color TVs, and video recorders this weekend. So we're staying open around the clock 24 hours a day, slashing prices. You'll never make a better deal than right now at Western Appliance. TV and stereo RCA color TV, $169. Zenith color TV with remote control, $247. VHS movie machine, $177. RCA, Mitsubishi, Panasonic, and Sony video recorders with wireless remote control, $288. We have no choice. It's around the clock marathon sale going on now at our three Bay Area superstores, Western Appliance TV and Stereo in San Jose, Santa Clara, and Oakland. Cheers to Western Appliance. You see, the Bay Area, California, That was that, that, this wasn't even planned. The Oakland Athletics, ugh, massive Roman Emperor thumbs down on the Oakland Athletics. How dare they win two or three games against my Atlanta Braves. <laughs> and as I continue to enjoy this Hawaiian rum, 
which is from Hawaii. It's a tropical place. It's a beautiful state. Our next guest also lives in a beautiful tropical place. This week, our special guest is Eric Doty, who's the founder and CEO of Loop. Eric, welcome to Hipster Baseball Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to have you here. And I'm, I'm going to start you off with a curveball. Yeah. I have a mint condition 1986 Adam Bomb from the famous Garbage Pail Kids. Can I sell this card and buy a house as a down for a down payment in Miami? <laughs> Probably not. Well, especially not in Miami. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, I would get that graded and keep it for sentimental value, and then maybe down the line we can we can talk, but probably okay. not today. And the reason I asked you that, for those of you who may not know, Eric, what tell us a little bit more about Loop, the the company that you founded, which is based in Wynwood District in the great city of Miami, Florida. Yeah, so we have uh, an awesome state of the art card shop um, in Wynwood. And that's just for locals to come hang out. We have TVs everywhere. We watch sports, buy cards, and not just sports cards. We're talking Pokemon, Star Wars, uh, Marvel Entertainment. It's all over the place. We have everything. So there's that aspect. But the core part of our business is actually an online marketplace. Um, that's actually a set of tools that card shops all over the U.S. use to live stream and sell product in real time to fans. It's it's not like going to eBay and bidding on cards. This is literally, you talk to somebody about cards, they tell you what you might like, you buy a box or a pack of cards, and then they actually open it for you on this live stream with an audience of other people, other buyers sitting around watching and rooting you on. You know, if you get a big hit, like it's awesome to have 20 other people in the room, you know, celebrating with you. So that's that's the core of our business is this live e-commerce tool set and marketplace that we we power stores all over the U.S. and uh, we've been operating for a little over two years now. I love the fact that you that you have your store in Woodwood, no, your physical store in Woodwood, but obviously online you're you can anywhere that has Wi-Fi, whether it's Planet Earth, Planet Mars, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm astounded how fierce, how strong sports cards have come back because normally I remember collecting baseball card. Most of my sports were, I've always been baseball and football, baseball cards and football cards. And then obviously, as you know, the, the baseball card deck from tops would come with some super stale gum that you would break your jaw trying to chew <laughs> that went away for a long time. And then it's come back. How did it happen where we're excited to, uh, to rip open cards from Ronald Cooney Jr. or Josh Allen. How did this happen? Yeah. So, you know, back in the day when I collected as a kid in the say early nineties, I was mostly baseball and I collected with my dad and there were some rare variants. So you, you'd mostly just get your ripping cards, trying to collect the whole set. And then there might be like gold foil insert variations. And over time, we've seen more and more sets come out with autograph cards, numbered cards. So maybe there's a color variation and there's only 24 of that color variation. That's been partially responsible for the resurgence. I think it was a perfect storm. So 
even before the pandemic, sports cards and collectibles in general were just exploding. I mean, I, you get a lot of a lot of people who grew up in the late 80s, early 90s, who now have a lot of disposable income and they're figuring out, what do I want to do for fun? And it turns out, collect stuff that they loved as a kid, which is a common story. You have the, as I talked about, the more chase aspect of the card products, which didn't exist when we were kids. And then you have the, you had the pandemic, which people weren't going out in a lot of cities, a lot of high-income areas, people just weren't going out as much. So now they're sitting on disposable income going, well, now what do I do? What do I do for fun? And one of those things for fun just happened to be not only collecting collectibles, especially sports cards, but doing it through a live experience, like a shared experience with other people. And that's not unique to us. I mean, we saw it with Twitch and the video game space. Their viewership numbers just absolutely exploded in 2020 and early 2021 because again people were just home and i think it it accelerated a lot you, you've seen some of those numbers you know time spent maybe money spent coming back down um since peak covid but it's still a huge step above from where it was in let's say 2018. and i do want to add on that eric is for the listener is you were talking about the the pandemic the sh shutdown however we want to call it you started Loop in the middle of the pandemic towards the end of 2020. So you were riding that way very smart. That was purely by coincidence. I had the idea for Loop, quit my previous job, invested all my money into starting this company. You know, I was working out of my apartment in LA at the time. And then global events happened. And I'm sitting here going, well, now what? And, you know, and in some ways it helped in a lot of ways and other ways it made things really complicated. I ended up moving to Miami, which I love. I mean, it's first time ever living in Miami. I've been here for about three years and, and love it and love having the shop here. But yeah, talk about a lot of anxiety and uncertainty. <laughs> and I, I know I'm not the only one. I mean, every, everyone was in the same boat. I like the fact that you're sharing with us that you left LA more or less right around the pan or in the middle of the pandemic or just before, because as we know, LA has had a massive exodus of people going towards Arizona to Texas and obviously Miami as they're trying to build some kind of tech hub there. Mm -hmm. But going, continuing on tech, what is the overlap or no overlap between physical sports cards and non-fungible tokens, NFTs? Because I'm sitting here, I, the last time I bought a pack of cards was probably in the middle of pandemic 2021, only because I felt I, I became nostalgic. And I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to buy one pack of these baseball cards. <laughs> but now the, the physical sports cards have authenticated signatures. They have a pieces of the jersey. Mm -hmm. They have a hologram. Those things weren't around the 90s when you, were, you, you and I were, were young. And then on the other spectrum, you have non-fungible tokens and NFTs, sports NFTs. Is there any overlap there as a collector or as you, as as a, as a, as a seller, as a platform between physical sports cards and sports and NFT sports cards? Yeah, I think I think there there's an overlap depending on what type of collector you are. And there's a lot of kids who and families who will buy you know, the $20, $40 pack at Target when they're just there. 
and they're they're just dabbling in it. Um, there's some that will come to card shops like ours. You know, more we call it hobby oriented. It's a little higher end product has costs a little bit more, but has a bigger return, higher chance of hitting. You know, those those special cards we talked about. As you kind of get to that level and beyond, you see a certain type of collector who likes sports card collectibles, the chase, as we call it, but also NFTs, you know, there's a lot of prospecting. So I find a lot of overlap in the type of people who are like, hey, this guy's 18 years old. This is his first card. He's not even in the majors yet. He won't be for years, but I'm going to get on this card because if he blows up and he's as successful as I think he's going to be based on a number of factors, um, his cards could be worth a lot of money in the future and I could get a huge return. And that mentality aligns perfectly with a lot of what you see in the NFT space where it's a lot of prospecting. It's a lot of buying in low, hoping that your project takes off. You know, we saw it with Top Shot. Top Shot during the pandemic just took off. Um, if you're not familiar, it's the the little NBA license actual videos in NFT form. The product platform is called Top Shot. And uh, they did really well for the same exact reason. People are opening these digital packs, getting a series of these videos, and then trying to resell them, hopefully for more than they paid for the pack. I see a ton of similarities. I think NFTs, you know, you're talking about sports card market, which is many decades old to NFTs, which are, you know, as far as the public uh, pop culture consumer is concerned, they're probably like three years old. They're older than that. But as far as like in the the public eye, um, only a couple years old. So they have a lot of maturing to do. And I'm excited for that. There's a, there's a company based here in Miami called Cryptoys. And I'm really excited for them because a lot of NFT projects are like just unique art. Like they have one artist who most people don't know. And it's it's very, in, it feels very indie um, with a lot of money behind it. But Cryptoys actually has the license for He-Man and they just got the license for Star Wars and they're making these little digital animated toys. And that's where I'm excited because if I can start, if I can buy some of those licensed toys and take them between different digital experiences, because I worked in video games for 12 years, I love that stuff. Like give me, Give me the experiences over just a static image. Um, and if you give me a, a little 3D asset I can play with and take it to different different digital experiences, I'm hooked. So as you could probably guess, the that small core cohort of overlapping sports card collector and NFT collectors, I definitely fall within that. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Like I think, I think a lot of people just have they gravitate towards collecting. And I'm one of those people I've collected everything from action figures to stamps, to cards, and now occasionally an NFT. And, you know, when, when I feel like I'm, I'm able to, who knows, who knows what's next. Uh, I I've seen plenty of guys get into muscle cars and, and uh, different wines and whiskeys, probably with actually, to be honest, whiskeys is probably next for me. <laughs> Eric, I'm going to tell you, you can you're more than welcome to bring the he-man experience to me i love he-man like you're talking you're talking my game when you're talking about he-man i love he-man <laughs> i don't have a skeletor yet for, for yet. those 
for those that know, uh, Skeletor is the the real chase you want there. Earlier, you were talking about having being when you're when you're collecting a card, you're having the excitement of a minor league player that's years away from potentially showing up in the major league baseball. Loop has a partnership with the Miami Marlins and one of their new brand. I mean, you can just that they have, he has a new car smell, the Miami Marlins pitcher, Yuri Perez. <laughs> Tell us about your loops partnership with the Miami Marlins, because if any of us, and I have watched some Marlins games in the outfield loops, beautiful, uh, cursive which is a lost art in the united states there in north america loops cursive logo is out is i think in the right or left field i forget obviously yeah, you know right better than i do yeah. yeah if you can tell us more about loops and the miami marlins partnership yeah so we we signed with them last year um to get the right outfield wall we went through a, a redesign this year and you know there's a there's a bunch of benefits that come with it like we love to take some of our our higher tier customers to like special activities but overall it's it it was a great way you know we worked with the united the united the university of miami sports hall of fame as well so once we really established ourselves in miami we went how do we how do we work with the local community in some obvious ways and then some not obvious ways as well like we did the 5k with the marlins we did a golf tournament and just trying to find ways that make it fun, connect us with the local community. And, you know, the Marlins are interesting because I came out here a Dodgers fan, but I've, I've lived in like six cities now, like for at least like serious amounts of time. And in every city, even if the, the local team isn't like my favorite team, I still try to support because I think that's important. Like it's an, it's the easiest way to connect with the local community. And I don't mean that in a way as like trying to get customers. I mean, I really want to quickly understand what makes the city tick and what, what makes the locals excited to live here. And yeah, working with the Marlins is, is phenomenal. I mean, I, I didn't realize like how strong the Venezuelan community was here until working with the Marlins <laughs> it's, it is it, you know world baseball classic was just here and I don't so much fun I don't think I've heard a crowd pop as much as them supporting team as Venezuela here in Miami than any other baseball game I've ever been to in no anywhere in the U.S. I completely agree uh, with you yeah it was it was I was there for two games I was there for Nicaragua Puerto Rico and mm -hmm. Israel Nicaragua and for the Israel Nicaragua game, I know I've said this on the podcast before, but I went, I took friends who aren't even baseball fans and Nicaragua, Israel, it was half full. And most of the, as you can imagine, most of the fans were, were, were cheering for Nicaragua. They came away saying, this is fun. And as a baseball <laughs> fan, I was like, man, like, I wish we could replicate this to export or have more baseball fans. But I can yeah. agree with you. I think World Baseball Classic in Miami was amazing oh yeah i mean that was i mean i i feel confident saying that decades down the line um when i look back on like what were my favorite sports experiences what one of them at the top will be going to a, a world baseball classic game and you know eric i'm sure that you know because of your partnership with the miami marlins but 
the, the, the Caribbean series is happening again in Lone Depot, Lone Depot Park next March. And so that's going to be like Dominican Republic is going to be there, Venezuela, I believe oh, Colombia, Nicaragua, yeah, I mean, and I think be... Mexico. It's going to it's gonna be like five or six of the Latin countries that touch the Caribbean Sea in March. And I am definitely going to some of those yeah. games. If we can get a Rosarena to show up for Mexico again, that would be phenomenal. That, that he was he was one of the highlights, even if they didn't get to the final, like that he was so much fun to watch. Oh yeah. I love um, I love him with the with the Rays. Yeah. The uh the th- the thing with the Marlins is super fun though. I mean, they're they're just a great organization. I've I've worked with other sports teams and and athletes and their agents. And I think I'm not I'm not surprising anyone out here by being honest that the Marlins don't have the best record and haven't had the best records for a while. But seeing them come under new management, they got a new skip this year. And like there's a storyline there. And then you got these out there. I mean, they're a pretty young team overall. It's really cool. Like it's cool to be invested in something and be close enough that you can be like, look, I know, I know they don't have the best record, but the people that work in that organization are so nice. And it's a nice reminder that, you know, it's a lot of talking heads on, and, you know, backseat managers on Twitter that you see just like one, one day they're kind of lukewarm. The next day they just hate everything. And it's a nice reminder to be like, yeah, these are real people. (laughs) And like, no one, no one ever wants to lose. And I think that's that's easy to forget when you're just looking at the box scores or you're watching the TV product. But at the end of the day, these people are hustling. They're practicing every day. They want to win. And sometimes it doesn't always go your way. And that human factor, I just love it so much. And it's it's been a great opportunity to be reminded of that by working with these organizations. Absolutely. I always say Lone Depot Park is one of the underrated stadiums. It's it's genuinely beautiful and it's overlooked because the Marlins don't have the best win loss record. But I also yeah. like that you mentioned your love of the Tampa Bay Rays left fielder, Randy Rosarena playing for team <laughs> Mexico. And speaking of Mexico, why do you love Josh Allen so much? The quarterback of the Buffalo bills. <laughs> so I grew up just South of Buffalo. Um, I grew up on a, a dairy farm just South of Buffalo, a uh, real small town. And yeah, but I mean, Buffalo, you know, when you live in the country, you don't have a whole lot to do or going for you. So, you know, there was a lot of bonding over the Buffalo Bills. Um, And I was at just the right age that I can remember, you know, they went to the Super Bowl and lost four years in a row. I, I don't think I remember the first two. I was maybe a little too young, but I definitely remember the last two. And I still need to watch a 30 for 30 on that because they have a, apparently it's pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, in combination of being a big Bills fan, I mean, that's, I eventually moved out to Seattle and I was a big Seahawks fan. So the Marshawn Lynch story alone from Buffalo and then eventually Seattle was huge for me. It it was basically a story of you. Forget about Marshawn Lynch. It was a story of Eric (laughs) Doty. Yeah. And then, I don't know, something about Josh Allen, he's like, kind of typical Midwestern type kid, just goofy, super lovable. Reminds me of like half the guys I went to high school with, even though he's not from Buffalo or Western New York, he's, he's got that vibe, which 
if you don't know in the in the midwestern commentary circles <laughs> the uh it's funny because buffalo is kind of like an adopted child of the midwest because it just shares so much personality and uh sensibilities to like what you would consider the midwest so yeah big josh allen fan i have i have some of his rookie cards graded in in my collection and um yeah i hope i hope he's a long long time or lifetime bill like i i think he's he's good for that city yeah i don't think he, i don't think josh allen's going anywhere because i don't think they're going to let him go anywhere you don't get rid of someone you don't keep offering on two three hundred million dollar contracts to josh allen i mean that's he's he's one of the best quarterbacks in, in football so i don't yeah again he's going to be in buffalo for a long time yeah if they can just they don't even need to win it they just need to get the one super bowl i'll be happy just just so i can go absolutely nuts for like one week and be that obnoxious Bills fan wearing my jersey around Miami. That would make me very happy. Look, as a Miami Dolphin fan, I completely feel you because the Dolphins haven't been to a Super Bowl since Ronald Reagan was in office. So it's <laughs> been a while. I like the I like the Dolphins a lot though. Again, like wanting to like go all in on local teams to like understand Jalen Waddle, man, he's so much fun. But I'm sure it's tough for you because the Bills and the Dolphins are division rivals. I mean, you're playing twice a year, so I don't I don't hold it against you if you're not all in. Those are the, on those the are, Miami honestly those are the only games I went to. So I I I forget why I couldn't go to the when the Bills came to Miami. There was something something came up I couldn't go, but then Miami went to Buffalo uh, twice at the end of the season. I think one one might have been. Uh, regular season, then there was like a playoff, and I went to both yeah. of those. And man, what a what an experience! <laughs> what an experience! Though there was one thing I was trying to think. Oh, um, the number of people who just carry twelve pack boxes of cans, just up walking up and down the street with an open box. You're talking about cans. Buffalo because I know you're not talking about Miami. No, you know, the, yeah, there's yeah. like no place to do that in Miami, but. And Buffalo, they're like the stadiums out in the burbs, and there's this one long street they just close off, and there's just people walking up and down the street with a box that's cracked open, just drink a can, throw it away, pull out another one out of the box. They're just carrying it like their lunchbox, basically. And you know, it's been a while since I've been. I, I, you know, I'm from there, but you know, I've lived in a lot of cities. I forgot just how blue collar Buffalo was, and I could feel it. Like I got back there, and like two hours in, I could like my my roots were coming out and I was like, <laughs> trying to find the local convenience store so I could have my own box to just like walk up and down the street and just tailgate with people for like five hours straight. Continuing on beer, I want to let everyone know that your store is in the middle of Wynwood, one of the hottest neighborhoods now for many, many years in Miami. Mm -hmm. And in Wynwood, I think there are like three or four breweries in Miami. So that's a perfect yeah. place to go beer brewery hopping. And and I've and I've actually drank a bunch. I think I've drank all of the of the breweries in Miami on the beers of the breweries in, in Wynwood on this podcast. So you're able to just bar hop, I guess, brewery hop and then go check out the loop store in Wynwood. 
That's a great idea because I bet you would spend a lot more if you had a couple of beers in you. Exactly. Uh, That's what all these fancy schmancy stores do. Like you go to Louis Vuitton, they're like, all right, we'll give you some champagne. You'll loosen you up, <laughs> loosen the wallet up. You know, so you got to do so. You got to maybe maybe not only partner with the Miami Marlins, but partner with some of the the pubs there. What is it, like J.W. Wakefield and I don't know, whatever. A, a bunch yeah. of the pubs. You, you already know them. Yeah, Wakefield is phenomenal. So he... Uh, the owner actually comes to our shop. He he's a big Star Wars fan. He buys most of our Star Wars cars. And he's drinking. I'm joking. Before he goes to see you, <laughs> no. Um, but if you have a chance to go to his place in Winwood, he has both outside and inside. It's all custom yep. art murals. I've been there. Yep. And it's all like Spider. It's mostly Star Wars, but there's some Spider Man as well. And my favorite spot is just inside. He has the table is Han Solo and Carbonite. Like you're drinking beer and looking down through this plexiglass at Han Solo frozen in Carbonite. Where and is that something new? Because I was just there like six months ago. Is that the table by the bathroom in the back? No, this is like right at the front when you walk in. And he might have okay. moved it since last time I've been there. Okay. But yeah, when I walked in, and he's a huge comic book fan too, there's comic books everywhere. Um, he sometimes he hosts like a little comic book trade night, but yeah, huge shout out to him. If you're in Winwood, definitely check out. Uh, he's got like they rotate their beers pretty often, and if you like traditional stuff, he's got it. If you like fruit, I always drink the fruity stuff because he mixes it in. I've never had a beer slushy before. He makes those, and they're great. It's like blueberry beer on ice. It's like they're going to put Seven Eleven out of out of out of business. It's yeah, it's basically an adult. Uh, slushy it's fantastic that's amazing i didn't know about the slushy next time i go which is going to be very soon i'll I'll go there and i'm going to also pass by loop after i loosen up the wallet <laughs> sounds you good uh, we're open to tuesday through saturday we were not open sunday and monday wait you're open tuesday through saturday like 24 hours or what are the hours oh <laughs> uh, i think 11 a.m to 6 p.m Okay. If I remember correctly. And we can always check you guys out on the on on the internet to, to yeah. see exactly. Oh, the app, the app and the website are 24-7. There's always always somebody live selling cards. The reason I even found out about you guys is watching a Miami Marlins game. Some hit out in the outfield. I was like, that's that's a really like, cursive is a lost art in North America. Nevertheless, <laughs> you guys are partnered with the Miami Marlins. You guys have, I guess, a partnership with the University of Miami and a shout out to University of Miami college baseball team. They're in the ACC baseball tournament now. By the way, I, w- I'm a, I also want to put a plug in for you with the Florida International FIU baseball team. They're they're a little bit out, out west of Miami, but they're also a college baseball team. Anyways, you have these partnerships with baseball. Let's say that we take you away from loop just for one <laughs> day and make you bestow on Eric, you're now the commissioner of Major League Baseball. What's one or two things that you would like to see implemented with all of the powers that come with being commissioner of Major League Baseball? So let me start by saying I'm a pretty big fan of the recent changes. So I I think I was skeptical, but the stats that are coming out of the product this year, like it's clear they made a change for the better like stolen bases are up the the 
actual hits because of the shift. Like I love all of that. If I, and I, you know, this is an opinion. I'm not right. I'm not wrong. Please don't send me hate. <laughs> I think there's, I think there's two changes. I would love to at least see be experimented with more, at least in the minors to see if it would create a better product. I, I'm a very analytical scientific person. I don't like interpretation. So robo umps, big fan. It's weird because I play a lot of MLB the show on PlayStation 5 and there's no interpretation. Like it's clearly like this is a ball or a strike. And I don't think I've ever seen like a ball that's a obvious ball that's called a strike. But you watch the real world product and sometimes it's so bad even the commentators are calling it out. And to me, I don't know, maybe it creates enough engagement that it's worth it for the MLB, but I would I just love it clear cut. I hate the idea of somebody losing a game because of a bad striker ball call. That's what it really comes down to. Like when it comes down to an end of the game moment, like why why are we leaving it up to interpretation of somebody who might not be having a good day? <laughs> the other is, and if you know the uh, Savannah Bananas, I think they do this, the ability to basically steal a base and steal first base at any time. And that kind of, I attach that to, I hate the uh, dropped ball, uh, drop third strike rule. So I either want them to cut that out completely. And it's if it's a strike, it's a strike and that's it. I don't care if they drop it or not. Or open up that rule to literally any strike. So like it could be strike one and it's a wild or not wild, but like he drops it and it's like wide enough that the the batter just decides I'm going to try to get first base because I'm fast as hell. Like that to me, that's such chaos. And I know there's a lot of purists out there, that would hate that, but I, I just want to see it in action just to see how much it would have changed the game. And just think of, you know, some of these guys like Acuna, just like, oh, you drop the ball and you don't know, like if, you know, sometimes it rolls under them and they kind of lose it for a second and you just have this guy running at, was it like 30, I forget what the, was it 30 feet per second or something, you know, like the elite tier, like those just got hauling off on like strike one would be amazing. Well, I'm glad that you like the new rules. I do too. I'm I'm all about these new rules, so I, I I give you thumbs up as the new commissioner, Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean, let me. I think there's going to be growing pains with any change to a game that's been around as long as the game of baseball, but I think it's obvious they haven't been bad for the game, and I think that's a good. That means they at least did enough research that they didn't like wildly throw something into this existing game. So. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do now. The one I forgot to mention was just the time, you know, the, the, the pitch time, you know, I think a lot of people were skeptical. I was skeptical of, but seeing the average game time drop to like, what was it two and a half hours now is great. I mean, I went to, I went to one game, um, I went to a Marlins game. I think this was last year and it was like three and a half hours. And at that point, I'm like, I got stuff to do. <laughs> like, what are we still doing here? You're preaching to the choir. And I, I'm a big baseball fan. And I, that's what I tell people is the reason why I think the reason why football is more popular now than 
baseball is because the scarcity, even though football is actually almost there, there, that's another issue with the National Football League is doing. But baseball, you have 162 games. You're playing five mm-hmm. to six times a week, and you're asking everyone to either watch on TV, online, what have you, or on an app like Loop, right? And or be in person for three and a half hours. I'll give you three and a half, I'll give you three and a half hours once, maybe twice a week. Five, six times a week? No way. As you said, I have things to do. That's I have things part, to do on a, a, a Thursday job. night. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Cut the, the I love, as you had said, that these rules have just shaved off 40 minutes of playtime. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Eric, my final question is always, let's say we have out-of-towners or even people from Miami go go watch a Miami Marlins game. They'll see the loop advertisement in the outfield. Then they'll go to Winwood. They'll be like, what is that? They'll they'll put it on their the, on the phone. They'll take a Lyft, Uber, a taxi, whatever. Go to Winwood. Go brewery hopping. And then go to Loop to buy some cards. But before all that, our bellies get hungry. What's a place? What's a couple of what's a, what's places in Miami that you would recommend for some coffee, some food, a drink that you enjoy going and you would recommend to people? Living in Miami or going to Miami? So there's there's two buyer shop in Wynwood, and then there's my favorite place in downtown Miami, which is probably 10 minutes away. So buyer shop um, in Wynwood, within a block, we have a taco place called Bar Taco. Um, it's pretty new. Um, it's got outdoor seating. It's got indoor seating. It's just great. And I don't I don't eat meat. So to have like good cauliflower taco options and things of that nature um they have a ton and it's it's just super flavorful like i i love that above everything else and then there's a ramen place by uh iron chef morimoto called momosan and it's just it's mostly a ramen bar and like i forget it exists weirdly enough and then i'll walk by it and i become obsessed with it and i don't like i will not be satisfied until i eat there <laughs> usually within the next couple of days so uh, within within Winwood, within a block of our shop, Bar Taco and Momosan. But my favorite place, um, low key joint downtown Miami, is a place called Kitsune. You would probably not even know it's there, and that's probably why I love it so much. Um, it's between an electronic shop and a, a really fancy wine bar, and you walk down this hallway, and you real and the only reason you know it's there is because they have a giant. <laughs> uh plush snorlax pokemon that's in this this thing's like four feet wide that's at the entrance and you walk back and this they have like dragon ball z anime like wall anime wallpaper all and like figures and it's super nerdy and it's got the best like tofu rice and noodles and it's super cheap so that is my favorite place it's not too far from my apartment and at least i'd say almost once a week every other week i end up walking there and getting noodles and it's fantastic this place you said is in downtown or brickle it's downtown i don't actually it's not brickle uh it's kind of like a neighborhood over from brickle across the bridge but it's like in a great area there's restaurants everywhere there's bars everywhere okay because when you're saying you have to walk down a hallway i'm thinking number one where is this and number two am i going to get stabbed in the kidneys (laughs) but maybe if, if it's the best ramen in miami then maybe it's worth it no, it's a it's a great area, and 
shout out to there's this bar called Lost Boy. So it's a little Americana bar. Uh, it's where a lot of people go to watch like Premier League in downtown Miami. But I was there at like 2.30 a.m. watching the fourth overtime of the Panthers game a couple nights ago. So that was a rough morning. But so shout out the Lost Boy, also an incredible little bar and, and sports hangout. I'll have to check that place out. I haven't been to Lost Bar yet. Usually because normally the English Premier League soccer football is like usually they usually pay them like what like a nine or eleven a.m. But um, but yeah, I'll, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I get the feeling the bartenders there work very early mornings and very late nights, just like the Loop app, open twenty four <laughs> hours a day. That was a fantastic a segue. I love that. There you go, Eric. That's <laughs> that's that's why you decided to come on here for my amazing segues, and we're gonna segue out. By saying, Eric, I want to thank you for joining us. Let us know where we can find your business physically, online, and anything social media that you want to share with us. Sure. So it's it's Loop, L-O-U-P-E. Um, it's named after a little magnifying glass that jewelers and collectible um, owners use. So uh, Loop the app. You can search Loop on the app stores on iOS or Android will be top of the list, um, loopthapp.com. Um, the app experience is on the website, so you can watch and chat and buy from our website. And yeah, I mean, we have, most nights we'll have people streaming until the break of dawn. I mean, again, this, this is not us. These are shops all over the US. So uh, we have shops from California, New York, Texas, Kentucky, they're all over the place. So big fans of them. We curate and uh, evaluate everybody that's on the service. Not anybody can sell. Um, we make sure that they're good, good shops that are trustworthy, selling good product and ship it to you quickly. So um, the trust factor is definitely there. So uh, check out the app or the website. Uh, again, loopthapp.com and uh, yeah, buy some cards, get hooked again. If you're not, if you're not currently collecting it's a dangerous game uh, it only takes a couple packs and you get right back into it thanks to eric Doty for joining us this week and i also want to thank our loyal listeners and a couple of new listeners from by the way i asked the hbp bullpen how to pronounce this nobody and i mean nobody knew how to pronounce this some new listener from denmark slag slagelse slag which is a very uh, uncouth word in england slagelse denmark Kansas City, Missouri, and a new listener from a place called Bridgeville. I don't know if it's in California. I don't know if it's in Pennsylvania, but I am going to say thank you, that person from Bridgeville. I'm going to finish this delicious Hawaiian rum very soon, but I'm telling you, let's get together next week for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye. Bye.